Welcome to episode four of Bleachers and Boxes, a baseball podcast hosted by old friends who happen to be fans of the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. I'm your host today, Eric Ando, the Yanks fan. And I'm Stormbird, the Astros fan. On Bleachers and Boxes today, we'll cover the post-deadline moves from the Yankees and Astros and discuss what they'll need to do down the stretch as the playoff picture really starts to take shape. During our two-week break, Storm had the opportunity to see Aaron Judge uh, return from injury before I even did, before driving north to see me officially get married to my wife, Anna, who is a diehard Red Sox fan. With that, play the drop. How you doing today, Storm? Uh, really, uh, really jealous that you, that you, one, saw the captain before I did, and two, got to sit in the legend seats uh, at Yankee Stadium for Houston Yanks on Thursday the 3rd, I believe. You got to tell me, what was your favorite food in Legends and what was your least favorite? Yeah. Um, so first off, the seafood selection, I'd say, was amazing. So, I, I you know, I've, I, I, we talk about this a lot. I've, I go to a lot of different stadiums. I've been to 26 of the 30 active. And um, uh, not every time, but not every stadium, but most stadiums, I try to do one of their quote unquote premium experiences, whether it's sitting right behind home plate, sitting in a club level, sitting in a lounge, getting a box, something like that just kind of depends on the price point and all that jazz. I think Yankee Stadium, it's really close, uh, mostly because of the benefit of um, alcohol, but uh, Yankee Stadium is probably the nicest, like behind the home plate club I've been to. I mean, you're talking split level buffet. Uh, and just, you know, really comfy seats, lots of space. It was awesome. Uh, the, the best food was the seafood. Like we had, uh, they had like, you know, peel and eat shrimp, but man, it was like the easiest, like peel and eat shrimp I've ever had. It just like came, it was popped right out. Um, least favorite food. I wasn't impressed with the pizza. Uh, if you could believe that. Oh, the pizza at Yankee stadium is dreadful. Like I like living in New York, you can find a good pizzeria on almost every corner. I don't know what they're doing over there, what they're actually making, or if they're buying it from outside. I don't think they are. It's, I, ugh, you couldn't pay me to eat the pizza at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I went for like a slice. I, it, 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 I'll give them this. It smelled good. Like it enticed me. I was like, oh, wow. And I bet, right. I was like, they probably, you know, I'm sure you know, I just, they might, maybe they don't make it there. I'm sure they probably don't. But I was like, they probably get decent pizza brought in here and like, you know, throw it in the oven real quick. But uh, no, not impressed with that at all. But overall, it was a great experience. I wish, like I said, if they had if they had all-inclusive alcohol, that would definitely put it at my number one. Um, because in D.C., I think I've told you this before, D.C., behind home plate, whatever their club level is called. I don't know. It was named after some crypto company at one point. But um, <laughs> they have all-inclusive alcohol. Not as good of a food selection, mind you. All-inclusive alcohol. And they don't stop pouring until like 45 minutes after the last pitch. So you can just get Woof. trashed at that stadium. <laughs> That's wild to me. I mean, like the stadiums and especially this season with with the pitch clock, you've seen a lot of teams amend their their serving schedule. And this is just for, you know, not not in any of the club levels. But, you know, it's been traditional that sort of at the end of the bottom of the sixth, going into the seventh, they would stop selling beer um, and alcohol. But to serve 45 minutes after, I mean, I guess you're spending that much like you, you may as well. But. Well, again, you're, I'm not paying. I'm not paying for it. It's all inclusive. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also this was before pitch clock got introduced. So I went last year, I think when the Astros went and played the Nats out in DC and um, yeah, it was, it was bonkers. Like I, I remember they let you like order to your seat, you know, and especially if I don't have to pay, I can just give the guy a couple bucks, you know, for the hassle of bringing it to me. I'll just sit in that seat the whole game. And guy brought me a beer and I was like, Hey, when do I need to get an order to you for last call? And he was like, Oh, you can order all the way through the ninth inning. And after the inside bar closes 45 minutes. And I was like, this is bonkers. And then on top of that, the kicker on that, uh, which if you ever go and you go to that club, the club, I think the way they built it, I don't know if they, I have to look back at photos, but I don't know if they initially built that home plate club in there or if they converted an existing space because to get to the club, you have to like go under the stadium and cross basically through you know, non-facing crowd areas. Like you walk through just like this concrete hallway and the buses are right out to your right-hand side. So when I left the game after just pouring one on, I walked out and literally almost ran into two Astros players, uh, Jake Odorizzi and Jason Castro. And these poor dudes, they didn't realize people stay there drinking 45 minutes after the game. They were totally caught in the headlights by it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Anyway, Yankee Stadium, probably the best club after that I've been to in terms of offering and and frankly maybe it is the best uh if you if you're just willing to 
shell out a little bit, a little bit of money for some beers. That's awesome. Really glad to hear it. Um, like I said, really jealous. Although granted, I, I didn't, when I sat legends the one time I didn't enjoy eating seafood at a baseball game. I enjoyed having seafood, just not at a baseball game, but I digress. Let's get into it. Uh, Storm, I am going to turn it over to you. Let's hear how the Astros are doing uh, as they continue on their playoff push, uh, as well as uh, what your thoughts are on uh, the trade deadline. Great. Actually, real quick, I want to take one step back. I wanted to correct something I said on our last episode, which is now forever and a day ago before the trade deadline. I incorrectly stated Marcus Stroman's contract had extra years on it. I missed he had a contract uh, opt-out. So I just wanted to get that clear. So he did have an opt-out. That's probably the reason why he didn't get traded. Uh, By all accounts, it sounds like he's going to opt-out. I bet the price uh, to trade for a rental was too high. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's a small thing, but I think it's important um, anytime you're doing this kind of stuff for credibility and all that to acknowledge when you mess up something and correct it when you get the opportunity. Uh, moving into the Astros week. That's, or, that's accountability say, right there. That's yeah, accountability. Account- <laughs> lawyer, lawyer, baby. Uh, the week, or should we say weeks in review, we took some time off to get up there uh, for the wedding. Um Astros did pretty well, all things considered. They had that real spicy series with the Rangers. Did you get a chance to see any of the like drama with that? I, you know, I, I, I basically followed it through our group text with our good friend Hank. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, because of wedding duties, I was few uh, games uh, watched were few and far between. Uh, but I heard about all the spiciness through you. Yeah, you were real. You were on a real like baseball cleanse, uh, just you know, trying to get your mind right. I was on a big cleanse and uh, I also uh, really just tried to st- take a step back, which I'll go into the Yankees after this, but yeah. the Astros are doing yeah. well right now. So I'll turn it back. Yeah. So um, took, took a couple from the Rangers there in Houston. They then dropped two of three to the Rays. Um, they swept the guardians from Robert Valdez through a no hitter, uh, which was awesome. And it was a Maddox. So uh, sub 100 pitches. Um, and he's been kind of struggling It's sandwiched in between like two or three starts where he's given up five runs or more. So, um, then they went ahead out to New York, got to see that game. Um, my, uh, my record for the Astros continues to be just barely above 500 when I go in person. So if your team is going to play the Astros, I will take payment to go watch them. Uh, then, uh, so they got the split out there in New York. Um, then followed up, took two or three from Baltimore, uh, an amazing game one, the comeback, uh, what's what they're calling an ultimate grand slam. When you hit a grand slam to take the lead, Kyle Tucker in the ninth off Felix Batista, who's let's be honest, the best closer in baseball right now, um, hits the ultimate grand slam. Uh, I made a fun little reel on Instagram. So check that out if you get a chance. And then, yeah, uh, it's, over it was past made weekend, in a bomb factory. Yeah. A bomb factory. They're bombs. So yeah, <laughs> Kyle Tucker, absolute bomb. And I think he started the next night and his first at bat hit a solo shot or something like that. So he's on fire right now. Then oh, this yeah. past weekend, um, took two of three from the angels, disappointing loss on Sunday, lost two to one, but that seems to be the Astro way. I don't know if it's the same for you with the Yankees where like, do you get nervous when the Astro or excuse me, when the Yankees go ahead and put like double digits on a team one night, and you're like, Oh great. We're getting shut out tomorrow. Oh, it's, it's exactly how I feel. And it's, it's effectively what's been happening. You, you just have this feeling like, oh, great. Like, why did they have to score 10 runs? Why couldn't they do five and five in two nights? Statistically, this season, it's been happening with the Yankees. But it's always just that, that Murphy's Law. Like, guys, stop scoring. Wait till tomorrow. Spread it out. Spread it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they, they, I think they won, like, they, they put up like 11 runs on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday, they lost two to one. Uh, so yeah. And wasted a good start from Jose Urquidy, who's just coming back. But so now they are two and a half back, uh, I think, in the division because Texas lost on a walk off last night. Uh, they're still holding on to that second wild card spot. I think they're three and a half up on the Jays, and they're like maybe three back of the Rays. Uh, but with that, I'll hand it over to you. Tell us about what the Yanks did while we were away. You know, uh, since uh, since we took our, our little break, Yanks uh, did sweep through Kansas City. I got to go to one of those games. It was an absolute roasty day in New York, uh, but swept uh, swept through Kansas City. And then uh, they split uh, with the Mets, which at this point with the Mets, is, is pr- it's pretty embarrassing um, how the team has been performing. So they really should have probably swept that series. It's the only uh, positive start that we've actually had from Carlos Rodon. Um, and he's on the IL now. Uh, like you said, they split with Houston uh, and then lost two of three in Chicago. Um, Hang on real quick. Really you said, real quick. You said they, they should have swept which series? They should have swept through the Mets. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah, it was another split. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they split they they split they split not only that series but they also split at City um, earlier in June. Um, so overall in the season two and two, um, split with Houston, lost two of three in Chicago, and then at the time of when we started to do our research for this episode, Yanks were up seven to one in the rubber match oh, against the Marlins. No. <laughs> I I actually just saw something uh, on on Bleacher Report. So Yankees yesterday were up seven to one. Uh, this today is August fourteenth, Monday, August fourteenth. Uh, Garrett Cole, another quality start, still league contender for the AL Cy Young. Yankees gave a, up a five run lead in the eighth. Uh, they gave up one in the eighth and four in the ninth uh, for a wonderful little walk off from the fish. Um, our boy Hank was very excited uh, to to win that series, but I saw on Bleacher Report that some guy put a ten dollar wager on this huge parlay, uh, and the only one that lost. It was a ten dollar parlay to win eight hundred and fifty five thousand dollars, and the only one that missed was, was the a, Yankees. Cash it, out, bro. Cash out. Like they give you the seriously. Chance. So and actually, um, it's it, it's actually worse than you said. They gave up one run in the eighth. They gave up five runs in the so ninth. They gave up five lose. in the ninth. Yeah, so, bro. They will let you cash out in the eighth inning. Like just ca- take your. I mean, I get it. Who thinks it's gonna they're lose seven two? But like, surely at some point in the ninth, maybe there was still a cash out chance. It like I, I mean I I, I turned it. I frankly I turned it off uh, when when the fish tied it. Um, mm. I just, I, 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 at this rage point, quit. I don't, yeah, I rage quit <laughs> it just, just like in the show when you, when you're up by all yeah. that much and all of a sudden every hit is just finding the gap. Um, I feel bad for that guy really just cash out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's the Yanks in review. They're, they're, they're coming up, uh, this, this series, uh, before the, bo- before they go home for the Boston series, they have three gets Atlanta, um, initially when, the Yanks were looking at a series win against Miami, which, which isn't, I mean, not expected. The, the fish have, have scuffled, but they are still in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, playing against Atlanta now. I mean, they have the best record in baseball. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to be happy with, with one win. Um, I, I have zero expectations for this series. Um, yeah. Frankly, I've, I've come to the reality that this is probably not the Yanks year. Um of, of actually getting into a playoff spot and this series against Atlanta, I fully expect the Yanks to get swept. Yeah, no, I just did it. I just did uh, Atlanta and the Mets for a uh, primetime preview on my blog. Yes, you and, did. Um, yeah. I mean, it's bonkers to me how little people are talking about how good the Braves are. Like it, it, they are by just about every, you know, statistical empirical measure, the best team in baseball. They are leading. I haven't checked since that series, but I can't imagine they've lost it after how many runs they put up. They're <laughs> leading the league in like every offensive team category. They have the best, and not just not just the National League, the, the entire major leagues. They're best in average, best in on base, best in slugging. They've got like leaps and bounds more home runs than anybody. Like it's it's I I don't remember the number exactly, but I want to say it's like over two eighteen or something like that. They hit the ball at a harder rate than anybody. They're bonkers. The only hope is that they just absolutely mismanage games or something like they did on Sunday night against the Mets when they left Yanni Chirinos in for too long. But this is an Astros and Yankees podcast. Enough about the fucking Braves. Uh, <laughs> Yanks are Yanks are in last in the East still and are five back of the wild card. What after the Braves? Do is there any is there any reprieve? Are they you know are they getting some light games where you're thinking oh they've got a chance here if they just really miss or, or anything like that? You know I I would like to say that the national series would be it. They also play Detroit um, mm-hmm. the uh, right after Labor Day. Um, we do have I think we have tickets for one of those games and I kind of want to move it based on a, a promotion promotional giveaway. Yeah. Um, At this point, but, you got but, to but, you got to get that money back. Well, exactly. Like, I may as well go to the games that I want to go to. So, yeah, I could see the Nationals and, and the Tigers being reprieve. I don't see the Red Sox series as being reprieve. Um, it's uh, the, the Sox are are pleasantly surprising a lot of folks, including my my wife. Um, she doesn't expect them to make the playoffs, but they're they're better than I think a lot of folks have expected. And from what the Red Sox have shown in the years past. These, year, these years being bad, they typically fix things. Um, it's something that, you know, they've gotten very good at and the Yankees haven't. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a, a big complaint 
uh, by the fan base. And now the media is really starting to pay attention that Brian Cashman did not fix this team. They're right hand. They're way too right handed heavy. Uh, have signed a lot of players or traded for a lot of players that have a huge injury history. And, you know, there, there was a, a, a great piece from uh, Bob Clapish in NewJersey.com um, basically saying that there are like there are no plans, uh, sources say, within the organization, and naturally no one gave a name, that Cashman's job is safe because he signed a, a new four-year deal yeah. to start the season, but that the scapegoat will be Boone. Well, I've, frankly, been I mean, I've been saying it since 2020. Here comes Carlos oh, Beltran. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I do feel for Boone. There there have been things that I've seen this year where like it kind of makes me scratch my head. Like, I mean, even even just yesterday, Clay Holmes was he clearly didn't have it. He came in in a non-save situation, and it took it took the fish scoring three runs, and uh, one of which was on a throwing error um, by Clay Holmes. For the, the for another pitcher to even start warming up in the pen, like maybe that's the show manager in me of like always having someone throwing and yada yada yada. But it's it's you know it it really makes you it makes you think has Boone's time kind Boone's time kind of gone um, because even though he's well respected in that locker room, mm-hmm. it feels like he's too nice. And it feels like he's he's just not getting the most out of his players, even though some of the players are, you know, it's like you look at, you know, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, the injuries are, are have clearly taken its to- taken their toll, um, went from being in the top 30% of runners to being in the lowest 5%. And there's that, I think it was a throw in the Houston series where he got hosed by. Oh, yeah. That was awful. What's that happening was, that was, with that? He was like, he, that was the lightest jogging I've ever seen. And he was out by a country mile. They, they keep saying that he's healthy and there, there's only, there's only one out. There's only two uh, possible outcomes here. Either they're lying and he's not healthy or he's so freaked out about getting hurt mm-hmm. that that's why he's running that slow because he's had so many soft tissue, uh, soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. How how can you one Roja, uh, Luis Rojas at third base shouldn't be sending him, and two, yeah. when do you think about pinch running for him once he's on base? It's yeah. it's gotten really rough. Yeah, you know, speaking of the show, it reminds me of like I remember when the Astros had Brian McCann, or I guess now when they have Martin Maldonado. There's guys who have like speed zero, and you need four. You need like you need four hits for them to score. They need to get a single, and then you need three more hits to move them around the bases. Uh, or exactly. like yeah, it's just. That was wild. Anyhow, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, we'll 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 see. Um, you know, uh, I think it'll be a, a good transition, a little bit to the uh, to the the, de- the deadline moves, at least for the Astros or lack thereof for the Yankees. But I think there are a lot of roster decisions that need to be made. The Yankees don't have a ton of roster flexibility, um, but there are some players with expiring contracts, including guys like Frankie Montas, who hasn't even who ha- he hasn't even pitched this year probably going to go down as one of the worst trades in the Cashman era. Uh, but, you know, thoughts, a lot of speculation has happened or has, has come up around, you know, possibly dealing Glaber Torres. He's been one of the best hitters for the team this year, but is he going to be re-signed? They have a, a glut of, of middle infielders in the minors, uh, m- which include Oswald Peraza, who's basically MLB ready. Yeah. Um, I mean, so there's a lot of decisions to be made. It just, it didn't make sense. You know, we're, we'll just dive right into the Yankee deadline stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, you mentioned Glaber Torres. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I guess, let's maybe step back. Why don't you tell us, tell us what, kind of what, what they actually did. Let's lay the groundwork, what they actually were able to do and what, you know, what we've kind of heard post-deadline about from Cashman and that, that like viral news conference, press conference now where it's kind of like, you know, is there a direction here? What's, what, what, was, what was the goal? What, like they neither sold nor really bought it was really a weird stand pat. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like the it's, it's there, there's no apparent direction here from the front office. So the Yanks acquired um, Kenyon Middleton uh, from the White Sox. He's a middle relief pitcher. Uh, it, you look at his stats on, on baseball reference. He's actually improved year over year uh, has, has a pretty wicked sinking uh, fastball. Um, and he's shown that in, in, in his appearances for the Yanks. He is a free agent after the year. We sent a high A pitcher who 
he's going to be uh, eligible for the uh, the Rule Five draft uh, at the end of this season. He's been in the minors for four years, um, so I, it makes total sense why they would send him, even though he was in, he was getting better as they went on. But then the only other deal that they made was acquiring uh, Spencer Howard uh, from the Rangers. The only reason I knew the name off the top of my head was because he had a future star card, and I, I think it was MLB The Show twenty mm-hmm. when we were all just like going locked nuts at home during yeah. lockdown. MILB um, The Show. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, he had a future star card for the Phillies, and uh, I had to look up how he got on the Rangers. He was traded for Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically been awful in in AAA uh, for the Rangers, and then in his major league experience. Yanks sent uh, cash considerations and immediately optioned him to uh, to AAA. So, like, I mean, it it does feel like a move that, I mean, they're running out of pitchers on the forty man. Frankly, um, Domingo Herman is now on the restricted list. He very unfortunately um, is in rehab for alcohol abuse and apparently had a really bad incident uh, in the clubhouse. The uh, I won't even go. In. Yeah, well, they they put him. They, they said in the article that they had to put him in the sauna to start sweating out the alcohol. And then, cause he, he apparently like, he was like ripping TVs off the wall. Um, and they put him in the, they put him in the sauna to sweat it out and then put him in the nap room. And the nap room was surrounded by stadium security while they like figured out what to do. Like really sad situation, but it's, are we even unfortunately surprised after the yeah. domestic violence uh, that, that occurred with him and his wife, uh, at at the CC Sabathia Foundation uh, a, event a couple of years ago. What a wild ride! Like that he's you know yeah. he's he came up he was promising coming up he has the domestic violence uh, you know incident I don't, I don't know incident seems like it's downplaying it I'm not I just can't find a better word for you know right s- like slapping your wife in public like he did uh, or, or you know what or was accused of doing I should say I'm not even sure how that how that ended up shaking out but he he got a suspension right. He was, yeah, baseball and suspended then, him for eight, for half a season. It was 81 games. And then he comes back. He's He looks just absolutely terrible to start this year. Throws a perfect game. Returns to his, I mean, he was like, he was on the edge of being out of that rotation when he threw that perfect game. It was one, one oh, or yeah. two more bad starts and he was gonzo, right? And yeah. then he comes back. He's back to his old struggling ways. I mean, if he, and then, you know, if this is, if this is how he's going, you know, when he's on a bad day, imagine how raucous the celebration was on the perfect game. Good grief. Well, exactly. And, and after the domestic violence incident, and then when he came, so he came back last season uh, from the suspension. Um, and when he was allowed to participate in spring training and the team had a private, like players only meeting to actually like meet with him and, and tell Cash him the out. problem. And then actually like, it came out later that they were deciding on whether or not to approach the front office of getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, basically the players banding together yeah. and saying he can't be on this team because, because like I said, it did happen at a CC Sabathia foundation event. The entire team was there. And uh, he, he apparently like his, his wife went to like another player's house and he like followed them home. And oh, like, yeah. it was, it, it was an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, he's, he's in rehab now. I have a hard, very hard time believing that because this happened at the stadium again, like in the clubhouse, that he's going to be back with the team to start yeah. next season. Yeah. Um, but uh, to get back to the trade deadline stuff, Spencer Howard being immediately optioned, I, I believe he is on the 40 man. I would have to check. But well, yeah, if he was optioned, right, he can't be you can't be optioned right, if yeah. you're not on the 40. It, Exactly. Um, but Luis Severino isn't eligible to have the worst ERA in baseball, but he does <laughs> at 8.08. Um, he has been God awful. And he has admitted that this entire thing, this entire experience this season has took its toll mentally. Um, I have a very hard time believing he's going to get re-signed unless they give him some sort of prove it deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at Rodon they said he's probably going to be back sooner rather than later. He's already started to throw off a mound in the, uh, uh, in the bullpen. Um, he has, he's on the fifth, uh, the 10 day uh, with a uh, strained hamstring, but it was apparently a very, very low grade. Um, and then uh, Wandy, uh, not Wandy Peralta, excuse me, um, Nestor Cortez, uh, who pitched against, he came back off the IL and pitched against the Astros through four very good innings. It was one of the games they won uh, in that split. 
uh, immediately went back on the IL with a strained rotator cuff um, because it sounds like he rushed himself back um, because the Yankees are basically running out of pitchers. Mm-hmm. They have Garrett Cole, they have Clark Schmidt, and then they have uh, two minor league pitchers uh, that have shown that they have been good this season in Johnny Brito, uh, who actually made the team out of spring training, uh, and Randy Vasquez, who they were both both of them were are, are lower on the prospect list, but are still top 30 prospects for the Yanks. Um, and have shown that even though they're still working, uh, they can handle major league uh, lineups. And, um, you know, they're really going to get that opportunity for the rest of the season. But, you know, I think ultimately a lot of decisions are going to be made, uh, I think, in this offseason. I don't necessarily know who's going to be able to take these contracts. Stanton is signed through twenty seven. Uh, DJ LeMayu is signed through 26. Uh, Anthony Rizzo has one more year on his mm-hmm. deal. Josh Donaldson's gone. I, I have a very hard time believing they're going to uh, – uh, he has a buyout for um, for next season. It's a $6 million buyout. This is the same team that we had last year. And even though they won the division, they've effectively been a 500 team since midseason last year. Yeah. And, I mean, you and I both watched the ALCS last season – I went to game three. It was effectively non-competitive. It was all yeah. Astros. No, they got swept. Um, they did nothing to retool. I mean, everybody everybody was like, oh, well, they brought back Rizzo and they brought back Judge. Those were necessary to keep the boat floating. That wasn't going to make yeah. it sail, you know? So I just, that it's it's not it shouldn't be altogether surprising. And, you know, we talk about lack of direction. I don't get what they were doing at the deadline. Like if you're if you're considering trading Glaber Torres this offseason, which I think they probably should, right? You need to get Volpe, Peraza, Cabrera into your everyday lineup to find out what you have. You can't keep doing yep. this shuttle bus back and forth to Scranton. If you're going to make room for them, that means you're going to have to in all likelihood get rid of Torres. You're also going to have to get rid of Torres because you need to find you need to find ways to get some some new blood in here without throwing more money at the problem and you know try and you know move some deck chairs around because the Titanic's going down. But if you were gonna go ahead and trade Torres, why not do it this year? Like you, surely you're gonna get more from him from a team that's like in the race and trying to go all in. I mean, I guess I, I definitely see the argument of in, in the off season, right? You're gonna in theory have more suitors in the off season because everybody's trying to retool for a new season when it's when it's the trade deadline. You know, half the team, half the league is in it, half of it's not. So that makes it harder to find buyers. But I mean, the best bat that got traded at this deadline, I think, was probably Jamer Candelario. And I gotta think that yeah. whatever whatever the price was for Jamer Candelario, the price for Glaber Torres had to be commensurate or, or maybe even better because he has more control. I, I want to say Candelario is in a walk here, but I'm not sure off, off the top of my head. But he is, yeah. I, I looked into that because he was he was a target for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, he's he's not going to, Jim Candelario is not going to move the needle a ton. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I looked at it and I'm like, no, but again, he was like the best. We, have, we haven't gotten a ton of, we, Exactly. Like, there's, you know, this was a pitching just... trade deadline. There was a lot more big name pitchers. There was not a lot of big name hitters. I mean, I guess you could argue and say maybe Tommy Pham was a better bat that got traded. You certainly can't say Mark Canna was a better bat. Um, I think that's like all I can think of off the top of my head of, you know, who the, who the best hitters that were traded at the deadline were. Well, exactly. And like there, there was a ton of speculation on would the angels move Otani. They might be regretting that now. They didn't. Um, cause they've really started the slide. Like there was a ton of speculation if they would move him. There was a ton of speculation on if, um, St. Louis would move guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt and, mm-hmm. um, Dylan, Dylan Carlson and, you know, guys, Tyler, like, O'Neal. Oh, T- Tyler O'Neal. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah. it doesn't make yeah. sense. And the, the Keenan Middleton trade makes even less sense to me. It's Keenan, by the way, I made, I make that mistake a lot too. I, you yeah, see no, the, the EY yeah. and you're like, can you, Oh, no, it's Keenan. So he, I mean, again, this yeah. is, we, we joke a lot. We, last year we talked about this at the trade deadline where I felt like the moves that the Astros and the Yankees made were basically just responding to each other and trying to find somebody to beat the other team. So the Astros went out and they got Christian Vasquez and Trey Mancini, two guys that from the AL East have seen the Yankees pitching and have done reasonably well at the time against them. And I felt like the the Yankees went out and they got Montas, who historically had really good starts against the Astros. So it was so interesting how they were like kind of, they were moves made to beat the other team kind of a thing. And this year... I can't figure out why you're going and getting Keenan Middleton in a walk year where you're that's your, that was your highlight move. I mean, arguably on talent, that's the best guy I think they got. His ERA is not great. His whip's not great. Now, to his credit, and the since they have got him, he's doing better. I think he's got a .5 whip. He's only allowed one earned run in six innings that he's thrown. And he's thrown a couple multi-inning relief spots. So there's value there. But 
if you're gonna if you're getting a guy where you think you have like some project you can unlock, you've got to get him for another year. Like, I mean, maybe they think we'll get him in, he'll see how we can help him, and he'll re-sign with us in the offseason. Perhaps that's a strategy. But other than him being yeah. just an Astros hater, which he's documented as, I don't see the value in getting him right now. Like, go sign him on the free agent market and keep your prospect. Sell guy. Like, it was just such it was so misguided and weird. Yeah, it it really just felt like, okay, great, let's get rid of one player. That that's going to be rule five eligible so that we, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, doing it then um, yeah. or non-tendering them. Um, maybe they, you know, it's like maybe they have ideas of some of the relievers that they're going to let walk. Like Wandy Peralta having a decent season, but he hasn't been the same clutch pitcher that we've seen in the past where he, when Chapman was hurt in, in previous seasons, Wandy Peralta filled in as a closer in big spots. He hasn't been that same pitcher. So I can see him leaving, but there is, a, I think there's a lot of guys that in that bullpen, even though the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in baseball, it seems to be the only area where they consistently just churn guys out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've never heard of this player. Like I had never heard of Clay Holmes before he was on the Yankees radar. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I'm losing faith on a yearly basis, I try not to be like a Brian Cashman hater, but since 09, he's had the opportunity. Like we, we don't really churn out MLB ready prospects. And I get it. If you're going to be making playoffs, the playoffs every year, you really have to rely on the free on the international free agent market, but they don't churn out their own prospects and they, they acquire a whole lot of, of injury riddled players and the free agent classes other than, you know, signing Cole, Good. You know, I'm glad they traded for Rizzo and we can get into it on a whole other episode, but how they didn't know that Anthony Rizzo yeah. was concussed. Uh, it's, I, we've seen this all through football. How did you not guess this after it? I don't blame Tatis, but Rizzo was staggering around. He almost Tatis collapsed right him. there on the field. <laughs> what are we talking exactly. About? Like, how do you not test for a concussion? Like, yeah. How, how yeah, did, did he, did you, I don't remember. Did he at least come out of the game that day? No, he wanted to stay in. Yeah, I, I won't I won't go further into it, but it, it will it'll be really interesting to see the direction that they go in in the off season if they make moves. Like, I don't want to see Glaber Torres traded, but if if you're not going to re-sign him, you have to move him this off season. And like, I'm so tired of hearing Cashman's explanation of well, the value wasn't fair. Sorry, the value is not always going to be fair. Like, can you get good pieces back, even if it's prospects? You know, yeah. if you want to give your, you're not going to develop guys like Peraza going on that Scranton shuttle, like you talked about. So, but I, 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 I can, I can bitch and rant about, about the Yankees, uh, gener- uh, their, their front office moves. Jacoby Ellsbury still haunts my nightmares. Um, <laughs> An answer for those I'll, playing Immaculate Grid, uh, which will now you'll hear this. It would have been yesterday's grid. So Monday's grid, but he was an answer for Monday's grid. Yes, he was. I, 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 I mean, he did have one, he had two good seasons in new york i can't believe it's um movie. yeah i know right but i i did not think of him for 30 stolen bases a 30 plus stolen base season for the yanks and i just went with soriano immediately because yeah. the 2002 almost 40 40 yeah. still also haunts my nightmares he had two he had 10 or 11 games to hit his 40th and was well over 40 stolen bases at the point so but again i digress from trauma of my childhood in sports um so uh but Talk about talk about the Astros and and what their direction was at the deadline. You know, I I was really curious to see and would love to hear your thoughts on Kendall Graveman coming back to Houston, especially because of how Houston uh, really uses him and even also uses his pitch selection uh, and doesn't really let him throw his curveball. Yeah, so I, I think I think. So let's just go at the top, right? The two acquisitions were Kendall Graveman and Justin Verlander. Starting with Graveman, I was pretty concerned at first when they got him just because of the price they paid. And this actually does dovetail into kind of what Cashman said. For whatever reason in this market, they just this was a pitcher's trading market. And yep. there weren't a lot of good bats. And I'm guessing that, you know, basically the the, the net take home here is for a middle of the road to an above average pitcher, which I think Kendall Graveman is an above average pitcher. I'm not calling him middle of the road, but for oh, you yeah. know, a not top he's a, end. He's a serviceable closer. Yeah. No, I mean, he can, he can close. He can be a good setup guy, which is what I think they expect him to be. Um, he struggled, yeah. you know, since in Chicago, but who hasn't, uh, frankly. Um, 
And you, the, the return was just so much better for those kind of above average leverage guys than it was for an above average bat. Like I, like we talked about, Jamer Candelario was the best guy traded at this deadline. There just weren't bats out there. And so people weren't able to get as much. And I think, you know, I think the asking price was probably too high on high end bats. Dana Brown, the Astros GM said this because they really wanted to and needed to add a left-handed bench bat. And he said something to you to the effect of everybody was asking for major league ready players. Like they were asking for guys on our major league roster. And when you're trying to add at the deadline, you can't be subtracting from the major league roster. So I think that's probably the take home because the, I felt like the White Sox got a pretty good, pretty good prospect backed in Corey Lee from the Astros. It's just it was an interesting market, but I think with 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 you know Graveman, look, he's not at the same talent that he was when he was in Seattle in 2021. He had a 0.82 ERA, a 0.69 WHIP, or actually a 0.7 WHIP, I should say. Came to Houston, kind of struggled after the deadline. Was pretty good in the postseason, 1.64 ERA and a 1.0 WHIP in 11 innings. So he looked good. He's gone up since then in Chicago, and I think you know since he's come back to Houston, he's looked good in Houston. I think the real value of this deal is that he's actually under control through next year. Again, so we talk about why are you trading for Ken, Kenyon, excuse me, Keenan Middleton if you only have him for this <laughs> half season and you don't think you're going to trade, yeah. you don't think you're going to go to the postseason. Why are you getting that guy? If you're the Astros, that more seems like a move where you're like, let's get a one-year, a half-year rental because we're making a postseason run. The Astros went big brain on it and they said, let's get a rental as well who's going to be here for another year. Um, and so I think that was the yeah. real value. And it's, a, Astros, and it's a pitcher you know. Exactly. It's a pitcher you know. He knows your team, right? He knows your staff. He knows your your players because the Astros yep. roster hasn't turned over a ton um, in the last couple of years. Next year, the Astros have three um, relief pitchers, Hector Neris, Phil Maton, and Ryan Stanek on expiring contracts. And Dana Brown specifically said, it's going to be really hard to find leverage relievers out on the free agent market that you can sign for a one-year deal, which is basically what we just did with Kendall Graveman. So I actually do think that was good. I think what the Houston's going to do, you know, we talked about the curveball. White Sox kind of made him shelf it. I think the I think the Astros are going to keep keep making him shelf that. But I think what they're going to tell him to do is they're going to play up the fastball up in the zone. Um, you know, back in Verlander's heyday of the Cy Young in 19, Garrett Cole, high fastball was something the Astros really played with a lot. Um, and Graveman, in his performance, he seems to agree with that. Uh, he's a, It's a 23.4% put-away pitch on uh, Baseball Savant. So that means with two strikes, when he throws the fastball, um, he can get a strikeout on it almost 24% of the time. So and when he when he throws that fastball up in the zone, it makes it harder to get under it um, at the right launch angle. So it looks like guys are getting under it too much, and they're getting on the upper end of launch angle. So they're kind of popping it up or getting underneath the ball. Um, that's good. He's only got a 0.74 batting at 0.074. Um, batting average against it in 23. Um, I think they're going to probably need to get him to fix the slider, encourage him to rely more on the fastball uh, because batters are getting under the the slider at a good launch angle, 24 degrees. Um, that's up uh, from 2022. And accordingly, the slugging on the slider has also jumped uh, up to 488 from 362 last year. So I think that's that's the value of him. Um, he's done so far well um, once he's come back to Houston. Uh, JV, the old boys back home, um, another big price to pay. I think the Astros gave up, um, drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Gilbert was uh, a first round pick last year. And then Clifford was a late pick, but it's a little deceiving because he was a high school commit to Vandy. So the Astros took him late and just threw a bunch of money at him to get him to walk away from his Vanderbilt commit, which is something that's pretty hard to do uh, in this day and age. Gilbert's right. got a lot of promise. Yeah, did the same uh, thing with Anthony Volpe. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Well, he will remind me, where was he committed? He was committed to Vandy as well with, yeah, uh, no, he it's... and Jack Leiter were from the same high school. Yeah, it's hard to get guys. Vandy's a great program, right? And they have a great track record of turning guys, you know, from mid to low round picks into top level talent. Um, there's also some concerns about yep. how they treat, you know, like arms and stuff on pitchers, from what I read. But anyhow, um, oh, you yeah, mean I mean, more like, rocker. Yeah, exactly. And to a lesser extent, like Jack Leiter's, there's some current concerns about his um, durability. Um, I think that's a size thing, but also it's an innings thing too. Yeah, you know, getting JV back it was a big price to pay, but overall, I do really like the move. I think there was obviously, you know, last year, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, it's, it's not only, I mean, it's a big price to pay, but at least the Mets are sending over a large chunk of that contract. I believe they're paying the rest of this year and next year. So they are only, the Astros are only on the hook for the last year of the contract, which may, I mean, you never know, right. When that, when his arm may go. Um, But at least like, I mean, the Met, uh, Steve Cohen is just, is opening up his wallet to get rid of that contract and get some prospects in. Yeah. So he has, um, it's like a little bit of a conditional deal. So he's got technically two, two years. So this year and next year for sure. 
there's an option that triggers if he reaches an innings threshold this season, I think, and he's almost certainly going to reach it as long as he stays healthy, okay. knock on wood. And then so if the, he does trigger that option, the Mets are going to send more money over. So I think if you average it out, they only end up paying him like $11 million each of the next two seasons, assuming he triggers that um, option, which I think is very likely. So it's like, I, th- I want to say all right. in, it's like over $50 million goes to the Astros to pay him. So that's big. Jim Crane loves getting uh, getting that money uh, from other people because he's not big on signing big contracts. So despite the Jose Abreu and uh, Rafael Montero deals, which are blowing up, in uh, Houston's face right now. But yeah, I mean, I think it it gives them the option. They're going to go to a six man rotation to try and lessen the innings on everybody, not only Justin Verlander, but also Hunter Brown and um, JP France and probably even Christian Javier who struggled. So I think the only concern I would have is, you know, we, we, if you remember last year's postseason, JV wasn't great in the postseason at all. He got touched up um, by Seattle, got touched up a little bit by Phil or uh, by um, the Yanks. And then, in the World Series, it was it was a gutty like five innings from him to get his first World Series win, which I want to say was Game Five. So, yeah, it's um it's tough, but uh, I I think I like the move overall. Uh, that that it, it is good though. I mean, like we, we we talk about you know directions of franchises, and I think they you know we hear that a little bit more often in football these days. But then again, we hear about everything in football. It's the only you know, sport I, ESPN seems to be willing to talk about every day of the year. Right. Well, it's also the only sport that makes ESPN any money. Yeah, we're in the dead yeah. heat of baseball season, and I cannot see a full slate of highlights on SportsCenter. Did you guys? Did you did you see that uh, the the Jets Browns uh, Hall of Fame uh, first preseason game of the season had a six point three rating, which was higher than any baseball game this season. That like, is insane. Who gives a shit? Who's about watching week one? Football? preseason football did did rogers even suit up no jesus no no none of the starters suited up it's not even technically (sighs) part of the preseason because it's uh, that like canton game or whatever it's the canton game and they got it because the the jets had klecko and revis go in and the browns had joe thomas go in all rightfully so yeah but like teams don't want it it's a like we're we're probably with some within the next two (laughs) seriously I, I would I would guess in the next two to three years that we could see an 18th game added to the regular season and another preseason game removed from the NFL schedule. That's just going to be a guess. I just I don't get it. And 6.3 million people really enjoyed that. I did not because yeah. there was. I think the third stringers are the only ones who got in. I I will not watch fan. I will not watch preseason. I I love fantasy football. I will not watch preseason football. I cannot be convinced to do that anymore. Maybe when I was like 21, (laughs) I got a podcast now. Okay. I got a podcast to do. Exactly. We got very important things to do. Uh, But on that note, um, before we, we sign off for the day, um, wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, plug the Sunday night, the primetime preview. Um, had a really good time reading your Atlanta and Mets preview, although I did not expect the Braves to, dr- to, to drop the ball there. Want to give you the plug, though, uh, for this upcoming weekend. I wish the Braves would have just read it, my, read my primetime preview. All the answers. <laughs> it was It's like that terrible movie, The Snowman. Like I gave you all the clues. The answers were right there. You could have saved her. You could have saved Yanni Chirinos. You should not have put him out for the fifth inning. It's 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 they know this. They know this, but they seem to just be treating Yanni Trinos as like an innings rag doll, but he's not even throwing that many innings. He he's not going to get you No, he's not. He's going to get you 5 if you're lucky. Yeah, it was so frustrating writing like going back, I'm sure you saw my little story, like I went back and like just reposted where I was like do not let Yanni Trinos go through the lineup a third time. Do not let Yanni Trinos throw more than 70 pitches. Um he threw 96 in four and two thirds and gave up six runs. He had allowed one run through four and they had just absolutely bullied the Mets in that series. They had plenty of bullpen arms, like one inning of, you know, Colin McHugh, who's up and down. One inning of Colin McHugh is probably better than a fifth inning of Yanni Trinos. And they ended up going to McHugh anyway in the fifth. So I digress. I think I'm just mad because it's the first week one of the readers convinced me to put a prediction in and I was like, I'm going to be wrong. Like even in this shoe in game where the Braves should absolutely win the game and are up three nothing. And sure enough, I wrote that I thought the Braves were going to win and they lost. So um, but yeah. anyway, this week um, we took that hiatus uh, for the Ando Beck wedding. We came back last week. So this week it is going to be the um, the Nationals visiting, quote unquote, the Phillies. Uh, but it's the Little League Classic. Uh, so it's going to be played in Williamsport, hmm. uh, PA. 
And uh, I'll dig into this week. Obviously, I'll do my traditional, you know, where the teams are at, what they're doing. Phillies are surging, so on. Nats are in the basement, but I think they might have just overtaken the Mets. Um, but I'm also I'm also interested. I'm going to try to spend some time looking into the the quirks or irregularity irregularities of that field. There, I think it's a pretty standard field, but the dimensions are different uh, than like you know the Phillies home park or the Nats home park. And you know, right. there's only one game a year played there in terms of Major League Baseball. So there's probably not a ton of data, but I'm still looking forward to kind of seeing if there's any trends I can identify of, you know, righties hit so much better here or all home runs have only come from lefties or things like that. So because, you know, oftentimes I tune the Little League game out. They, they, they do such a poor job, I think, planning it, right? So they announced last year that this game was uh was going to be the the little league classic on like i think august 21st of 2022 didn't they know this wasn't going to be a good matchup and couldn't you have figured that out last year that'd be like if this year you were like let's do the i don't know rockies and nationals next year for like that's not going to be a competitive game exactly like what like i don't know what the scheduling folks at mlb do like learn from the nba a little bit yeah. The NBA, like, I mean, they haven't done it in, the, in this past season, but they thought they thought about it during the 21, it was, yeah, it was the 21-22 season, and there were still COVID protocols in, so they reserved the right to amend the schedule in the second half, which ended up being great because you had teams that weren't so great getting moved to prime, uh, getting getting moved out of prime time, and and surprise teams moving into prime time. A little bit more difficult in baseball because I know those schedules are set in stone. And there's also and like there's CBA you'd, you'd stuff that makes it ahead. harder. There's because like with, yeah. with traveling in the middle of a series, like they have to have so much time off of a plane and no, can't go so many miles without a day. Like there's little nuances I think in the CBA. Oh yeah, but I mean we also some... need to have a five star hotel. Yeah, exactly. And it might, might be hard. Yeah. I don't know if that's hard to find in Williamsport. I'm not very well informed. But I mean, look at these some of the last matchups we had. So the first one was Pirates Cardinals. I mean, I don't need to tell you the Pirates haven't been good in years. Mets Phillies that my maybe that was a good one but I don't think so because I think it was 2018 and that was like when the Phillies were just throwing money out the door and doing poorly um Cubs Pirates another snoozer um I get the appeal of the Pirates because it's Pennsylvania right but and I get the appeal of the Phillies because it's Pennsylvania right but um yeah. had Cleveland and the Angels I think both teams were reasonably competitive the Angels probably were you know doing their usual let's fool everybody into thinking we're really good and then not be and then last year we had yeah. Baltimore and Boston, which actually did end up being kind of a decent one because Baltimore was on that surge at that point. And it was actually a pretty good yeah. game. But um, yeah, so that'll be this year's, or excuse me, this week's, this week's primetime preview. And you can read it on Sports by Storm, a Substack blog. Uh, you can find more information on my Sports by Storm Twitter. That's at Sports by Storm or my Sports by Storm Instagram. Again, Sports by Storm at, uh, uh, on Instagram, no spaces. That's it. Oh, and actually one more thing. I will probably be, uh, I'm, I'm going to upgrade it from possible to probable that I'm going to go catch mm. uh, a Marlins Dodgers game uh, this weekend. They have like a LeBron James bobblehead giveaway I might go get. And they Ooh. also, which of course, like I, I'm getting it. I'm probably going to sell that to somebody or give it to one of my friends. It's a Dodger fan because that's the dumbest bobblehead. I feel yeah. like it's so dumb. I have to get it. Yeah, it's 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 out of sport. You may as well get it and and either give it to someone who, who actually wants it or put that shit on eBay. Yeah. So that's uh, that's this weekend. There's actually a really good match. I think it's like Sandy Alcantara and maybe Kershaw. I don't know. I, I looked quickly and there's, there's a pretty decent um, pitching matchup. One of those games. So I might be, uh, might yeah. be finding my way out to Chavez ravine. How about yourself? That's awesome. I, I would, I would go uh, regardless of who's throwing for the Dodgers. I would go for Sandy. Um, uh, on my end, I'm still going strong on, uh, on Twitter or X. Uh, at four train army that's the number four train army all one word uh walked away a little bit uh during the yankee struggles i'm still going strong though I, I took a little bit of a mental health break uh from that um especially ahead of the wedding um but i'm back on there and i'm, I'm doing well and uh i did get to two games uh before uh the wedding uh got to see uh like i said before uh yanks royals and then uh, went with my stepdad who's a big mets fan was a game six and 86 um, uh, we went and saw the Yankees Mets. He was really excited, uh, because the Mets did win and Pete Alonzo had two home runs, uh, looking ahead. Uh, we are going to, uh, Anna and I are both very excited, um, her more so than me because the Yankees suck right now, um, to two Yankees games, uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, Friday and Sunday, Sunday, I'm super pumped. Uh, it is the first of two, 
uh, bobblehead giveaways in a Maris and Judge uh, bobblehead set. Uh, so they fit together as puzzle pieces. Uh, I will be fun. out there with the... Yeah, they are fun. And Maris has a 61 behind him. Judge yeah. has a 62. The Astros um, did a like, back-to-back one with, I want to say, Bregman and Alvarez a couple of years ago because they did like they hit back-to-back home runs and they did a little like a B-boy stance pose and bat- went back-to-back with their arms crossed. So they made like a little... Oh, like, that's cool. Together. And then like... Yeah, the, it was like back, like back was underneath each of their feet and it like slid together to form a two. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be out there with the other lunatics at like 930 a.m. outside the stadium. Dude, those um, lines are crazy. By the way, I have your I have your Aaron Judge jersey. I'll get to you the basketball jersey. We do. We, you haven't given you one, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I have one for you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Yeah. Um, no, but, but thank you for snagging that. Um. But yeah, no, uh, we'll, we'll be at uh, Friday and Sunday. Uh, looking ahead to the after, um, I've seen tickets as cheap as $3 for the National Series um, at Yankee Stadium. I think a lot of fans are, are really pissed. Checked out. Um, which I'm fine with. I mean, I'm really pissed too, but I'm still going to enjoy myself at the ballpark. Uh, so I might go on Tuesday or Wednesday. Thursday's a day game, so that's out of the picture because um, I do work a normal job. <laughs> um, uh, but then also... Uh, we are going out to a wedding uh, the weekend of August 25th for our friend Paige. Uh, and uh, I am going to be at uh, Comerica Park for the first time um, and have the opportunity to see uh, see the Astros uh, at, at Comerica. I'm oh, just wow. looking forward to going. Yeah, I've you'll have to give been... us a review when we get back. When you get back. Yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, I, I've been looking into premium seating, although all the wedding bills are, are due this week. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm really just looking forward to seeing the ballpark. I've never been. Um, and then, uh, I have a bunch of tickets for September, uh, including, uh, old timers day. Uh, Yanks just announced today that, uh, even though they are not playing the game this year again, which I'm super bummed about, um, they are honoring the 98 team. It's the 25th anniversary. So it's Jeter's first, uh, old timers day, uh, back. Um, did they not do 96? they they did do 96, but it wasn't a part of Old Timers Day for uh, whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and I think they were they were a little cautious about it because of of the the existing at the time COVID protocols in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I have I have tickets for that day. It was a part of my package. Um, it's a Saturday against Milwaukee. Um, and then uh, yeah, I have uh, I do have tickets against Arizona when they come to town, and that is the second of the two. That's the Judge bobblehead. So I'll be back out there at 930 in the morning um, with a uh, bacon, egg and cheese and a nice coffee just waiting in line. Um, uh, but uh, that is the end of our uh, our fourth episode. Uh, we, we really look forward to talking to you guys soon about uh, how these teams continue to play down the stretch. Um, it's been great. Give us a like and a subscribe and a review if you got it. Uh, we are mm-hmm. available on Spotify. We're available on Apple Podcasts. Storm, I know you've gotten us on Google and Amazon. Is that correct? We are on as well? Amazon. We're not on Google yet. I actually need to re up on Google because they keep giving me a fuss about our RSS. But we are on Amazon Music now. So we're slowly adding all of our little uh, places to find us. Oh, that's awesome. Well, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review, share it with your niece, your nephew, your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad, or your dog. We love you. We thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. 